Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we're going to be focusing on that event uh, this morning as we prepare for coming to the uh, Christmas Day, which of course is just a couple of days away, a few days away. I can see you clearly. I have a deficit, it appears, uh, partly because of my military training. I blame it on the military. Uh, don't blame many things on the military. There are reasons, but not not blaming. But looking to the left is... Uh, oh, now it's in focus. Oh, that's good. Look at that. Uh, the focus, is, of course, is all of you, including Shirley. There we are. I'm I'm ready. Here we go. Uh, this is the fourth Sunday, and we call this the uh, uh, the Sunday of Love, the Advent candle that we're going to light in just a few moments. Moments uh, is the uh, love candle. Uh, and we'll talk more about that when we get over there uh, to light those candles. Uh, I'm going to be sharing, therefore, the message today uh, will have to do not only with the Christmas message that we're going to share in the beginning, but the, how that translates to uh, our lives, to today. Uh, we want to translate all of our Christmas message to today because that's where we live. We don't live in the little town of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Uh, right now, all of us live or once in a while show up in the Coachella Valley, uh, and we are here uh, to worship. In our modern understanding of life, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, uh, was a touching event with barnyard animal, animals and shepherds, adoration, and for some people like to have the kings there too. But for another perspective, the countdown of his life was on. For ultimately, God has sent his child into the world for a greater purpose. And the driving verse, I think, of that uh, is the verse that we're all very well of, very well aware of. And that is when in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Fullness of time. And so we might think in terms of uh, why the fullness of time uh, back date now, chronologically speaking, some 2,000 years ago, why is that the fullness of time? So as we begin this morning to consider this love gift that has been given, uh, we want to pray that God will touch us uh, with that very message uh, as we go to him today. So let's pray together. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you uh, this day for the message that you have for us. We thank you for this opportunity of coming together, fellowshipping together, <clears throat> and seeking your holy face. Help us now as we consider uh, this fourth Sunday of Advent, this day of love, uh, and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that's what's just lost. That's Luke chapter 1, or chapter 9, excuse me. Uh, 
That which is lost. We were lost. We were lost in sin. He came to save us from our sins. That's the purpose of the king. And sometimes we allow the Christmas idea, the baby and, and new birth and, and those kinds of things to really mask the purpose in his coming. When in the fullness of time God sent forth his son, <clears throat> and the son was sent for the purpose of, and of course the purpose is Calvary. And we're going to finish that story then. We'll complete the package uh, when we come to our Easter season and we talk in terms of, of those things that occur at what we now know is the end of his physical presence with us, this idea of him being a physical man uh, for that brief period of time. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God so loved. There's that phrase. Stick to that phrase. Let that phrase burn into your memory this morning. For God so loved the world. And the world means all of us. It means all of... Are they too cold? No, no, there's some people out there. Okay, all of them, everyone. God so loves the world that he was willing to sacrifice his son that he would give his son, gave his son. Uh, sacrifice is a good word because it really helps us to to grasp the, the magnitude of what's in that verse. Giving uh, <clears throat> uh, doesn't quite do it, I don't think. I think you need to really consider what give means. And then we talk about, well, give that costs. And, you know, well, I gave my son a Porsche. That really cost. You should see the look on Shirley's face because that was quite an exaggeration in our family. I mean, I might have taught him how to spell Porsche, but that's as close as we ever came to it. Jesus had been born uh, through a virgin by the Spirit of God. And we know the story, making him both Son of God and Son of Man, which put him in a completely unique position, uh, being fully human. He could be tempted in every way and yet not succumb to the temptation, for he was sinless. But he could be tempted in sin. And we see uh, we see that temptation uh, several times uh, throughout the Gospels, uh, probably center our focus mostly when he's specifically tempted by Satan, when Satan says, uh, turn, the, turn the stones to bread and, and God will take care of you and jump off the, jump off this, uh, the temple mount and angels will come and catch you and uh, you won't dash your foot and, and so on. My paraphrase. But you, there's that direct temptation. And then, of course, what does what does Jesus do in relationship to that but respond, respond by the very word of God? Every single time he responds by the very word of God. And that's really what we should be doing. That is the example for you and for me. Because when we face that temptation, whatever it might be, when we taste that, uh, face that idea uh, that sin is about to occur in our life, the best weapon that we have is to turn to the Word of God and, and turn from, quote, your wicked way, isn't it? Okay, I shouldn't do this. Scripture tells me, Shouldn't steal, therefore keep your hand off. 
that that kind of thing. I realize it's very simplistic, but that's the idea. God tells us that we should love and not to hate. And so therefore, how should I respond to that person that's perhaps hating, throwing hate towards me? Well, the weapon against hate is what? The weapon against hate is love. For God, uh, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the scripture tells us. And that idea of sin has been uh, shared to the point that in in one way, sin is an illustration to God that you hate him in that you have separated yourself from him. You don't agree with him. If I can do this, this, and this, and this, whatever the, the sin is, and I'm not going to rank sin today, that's a problem that we have, by the way, and that's ranking sin. Sin is sin, okay? The little white lie is sin. It's a sin in the eyes of God, just as much as, you know, name the biggies that David did, uh, and, and so on and so on. It's just that's the way it is. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, Jesus was willing to go to the cross for us. Jesus was willing to be humiliated. I want you to think through, uh, here now we're all Easter again. Uh, think through Passion Day. Not Passion Week, but Passion Day. The day in which he was tried and ridiculed and beaten. And, and it went on to the point that he almost didn't look human, the scripture tells us. Even to the point of being nailed to the cross. Even to the point of being uh, uh, ridiculed by probably some of the very people the previous uh, few days ago were throwing their jackets on the ground and palms on the ground. We call it Palm Sunday. And Hosanna, the king is here, and et cetera, et cetera. If you really be the king, come on down off the cross. You know, you could do that. You must have the power to do that. And interestingly enough, of course, he did have that power. He did have the power, but he didn't, but he knew his purpose, God's purpose, his purpose was to stay on that cross in order that he might, what, physically die. In order that, what, in order to resurrect, in order to be, quote, born again, he had to die. That's why he even came physically. That was the purpose in the physical coming. The purpose of the physical coming, Christmas is important because we needed a, we needed a baby. We needed, we needed that, that life. We needed that life to occur in order that that life could cease. The physical life could cease on that Easter morning. Or not Easter morning. On that res, uh, crucifixion day. Well, careful with the date. I don't want to talk about it today. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our uh, of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that's Isaiah. That's prophecy. That's the information that lays it down for us to the point that he's coming, that he's coming. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove. We can sing this, the glories of his righteousness, the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love, and the wonders, wonders of his love. We're talking about Advent Sunday, love. Jesus has loved us 
with an everlasting love from the very beginning of time because Jesus was there when the foundation was laid. In the beginning, God created. And if you look at the word uh, God created in the original Hebrew, you find that that's the pluralistic God is there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were there. And the plan of salvation was there when the earth was created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, John chapter 1, verse 1. And everything that was made, verse 2, was made by Him, Him, Jesus. <coughs> Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays uh, His glory by, set aside. That's what it means, set aside his glory by, lays it aside. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Born that man may no, may no more die. That's the song. That's the way it goes. Think about that phrase. Born that man no more may die. Unfortunately, the word may is there. Not will, but may, because it's conditioned upon what? It's conditioned upon our relationship to God. And what is our relationship to God based upon? Our acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our acceptance of what we're talking about three days from now on Christmas morning. That the babe came. That Jesus, or that God loved us so much that he sent his son. That the son was there for a purpose, and the purpose was what's going to happen in April this year, or next year. Christ, by the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, veiled in flesh, hiding his godliness in the flesh of a human being for those 33, 34 years. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. And that's what we're talking about this morning. As we talk about that love. The focus word today is love. We're going to say that word over and over and over again. Because that's the focus today. God loves you so much. When in the fullness of time... God loved us so much that he sent his son. That's marrying two verses together that really aren't together, isn't it? God loved us that much. And so as we look to the Advent table today, as we don't trip over the speaker, we have a lot of lighting to do, so I'll probably use two matches, maybe three. We didn't pre-burn this morning's candle. But you remember, we started with the candle of hope. God loves us so much that he provides us the hope of salvation. There you go. go out. Do not burn the plastic. There we go. I should have brought the kitchen matches. The stick is longer. And we have the 
candle of joy. And now the candle of love. But that's not all. Because the author of all of that, the focus of all of that, is found where? In the Christ candle. It's found here. Come now. Thank you. New scars. There it is. There's the Advent wreath. We have the, we have the hope. And we have the <coughs> peace. The hope and the peace. What's the peace? Peace that passeth all understanding. We don't understand the peace. There's no way we can, we don't understand peace. We, under, we use that word all the time. Well, let's go to war so we can have peace. Let's kill a bunch of people so we can have peace. And we do. And we have a ceasefire for a few years. That's basically all they amount to. Because what happens a few years later? The war to end all wars. First, first World War. And that was, that was in 19, what, 1920-21. And so then what happened in 1933? Uh, we started, a second, the Second World War started in 1933. And it ran until 1945 or 46, depending on where you were. And then, well, let's do Korea in 1950. And let's, it, it goes on and on. We have military people uh, facing death uh, in countries all over the world today. Seeking what? Seeking that very same thing that we've been seeking all along, and that's peace. Peace. We don't understand peace. But the peace that God provides is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that passeth all understanding. We don't understand that peace. And eternal joy. We have the joy of knowing. We have the joy of being a part of, of being a part of a family that is millions strong. Any one of us in the room might be without family, physical family today because of whatever circumstance. But we're all part of a grand family. You're not, you're not an orphan. You're definitely not an orphan if you're in the house of the Lord and you've accepted the Lord as your personal savior. You're part of that family. You have brothers and sisters. In all over the world, family. And that's the joy. And then we come, of course, to the love. And the love is really the driving force, the driving force of what we're talking about today. Because it's the love of God that caused all of this. For God so loved the world. We said that. When in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son out of his love for who? For us, for the world. And so there we have the Advent candle. The Advent candle candles in their completion uh, are there for us. We'll let them burn. We'll let them, let them be that visual reminder of the things that uh, we're talking about today.
What a wonderful, beautiful day it is. We look, what do you got to be kidding me? I don't see the sun. No, no, no. This is a wonderful, beautiful day. Why is it a wonderful, beautiful day? Because we're together. We, the family, have come together. I know when, when we're in an earthly situation, we are very fortunate. We have four children. Three of them live in town. Three of them live in the Coachella Valley. And so we see three of our children, uh, and then by extension, the grandchildren that are uh, products of, of that, uh, frequently. And there are many of you, some of you, that haven't, that have to travel great distances, or they have to travel great distances to see you, and therefore you don't get to see one another as often as you might. But I, the reason I mention that is because I know how excited we are that when our children come. And I mean, maybe I don't see uh, one of them for uh, several days, and we kind of, gee, it's been a long time since we saw, oh, we see Philip at least two Sundays a month because he plays for us. Uh, so, so we, you know, no matter what, <laughs> we got him here. <laughs> but, <clears throat> and we kind of lamented, well, gee, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him or we haven't seen our daughter, you know, in several days, in a few days. And, and we're, and we're sad. I don't understand not seeing one of them for weeks, months, even a year. And we have a son that lives in Northern California, far enough away that we can't commute to him. <clears throat> and how overjoyed we are is when, is when we come together. And that should be what we have here. I'm overjoyed. I'm absolutely thrilled that we as a family have come together and are here together today. And I know there's a couple of us that are not here today because they've been kidnapped by their children and they, and they're, one of them's in Las Vegas or in Las Vegas where Oprah is. Yeah. Orpha. Yeah. Orpha. I'll get it right. She's just, she's just going to have to live with having come out of Moab. There we go. That little story we'll tell another time. But it's that love. It's that love that puts us all together and that love that God has given us. That's the love we're talking about. That's the love that we're talking about. Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, I've got it marked. Here it is. Galatians chapter 5, uh, it says, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now it goes on and it gives you a list. It says joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Verse 23, meekness, temperance, uh, which is self-control. Uh, against such there is no law. That's the scripture, and many of us have memorized it, and it's a wonderful thing to memorize. But I, I really appreciate the fact that the very first thing that's mentioned, the fruit of the Spirit, is love. Because it's out of love, and that love candle is really the driving candle uh, for all of the other things that we've mentioned. And for all of the things that are mentioned here, when you really think about it, the driving force is love. Without love, there's no joy. There's no peace. There's long suffering. I mean, that's like forgiving people. You gotta be joking me. Uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there's no law. Why is there no law? Because love trumps it all. Love. It's all about, <coughs> about love. 
all about love. And where does the love come from? The love, of course, comes from God. The fruit of the Spirit. Well, who's the Spirit? The Spirit is the third uh, person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit being a part of God, and we've talked about uh, Trinity before, and I'm not going to spend time doing that today. Uh, that's not our point. But the Holy Spirit provides us with this very same love that the Lord is talking about. Now, love is a word that, <coughs> excuse me, in fleshly terms has many meanings. Uh, in the Greek, for instance, uh, and this word never appears in the New Testament, by the way, uh, is eros. Eros is where we get the word erotic, again, we get the word romantic, uh, and we basically think in terms of when we talk about uh, the word erotic, we're talking about, what, pornography and uh, and all of that kind of stuff, and shame on David for that port of, portion of his life, and I don't think we need to belabor that. <clears throat> but that's the word that we talk about when we say, you know, with love, you know, kids giggle when you say you love them because they are thinking in a fleshly term, and shame on them, and there it is. And so do we. We think that way as well sometimes. Uh, phileo is another word. Phileo is a brotherly word. Uh, it talks about uh, <clears throat> the highest work in the Greek language for human love, and that's brotherly love involving body, mind, and spirit. Uh, not necessarily blood brother like my brother Harold or my brother uh, Bill. Got to be careful about Bill. We'll talk about him another day. I got a little frown from Shirley. Uh, <clears throat> that's one of my little bumps in my family. Anyway, love. We're talking about love today. Now, the word that we're really using here and the word that's always used, always used when it talks about God's love is agape. The word in the uh, in John 3.16, which is the word we, uh, we quote so very frequently, uh, the word is agape. God so loved, God so agaped the world. Now what's agape? Agape is a word that describes uh, the self-sacrificing love. It's a Calvary kind of love. It's sacrificial, self-giving, unmerited love, unmerited love. I love you in spite of the fact you're the most despicable person I ever wanted to meet. You are despicable, but I love you anyway. That's what we're talking about. For God so loved the world, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Which And what is the Christ died for us phrase there, but a manifestation of the word, uh, I'll think of it, love. It's a manifestation of the word love. God loved us so much he sent his son. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Holy Spirit reveals God's love for us and creates our love for God. When we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, when we accept that that we do this thing physically, we understand now that God loves us so much, John 3.16 and so on, all of the verses that we've talked about already, then the, the Holy Spirit takes that information that we now have and he is the personification of the love that is indwelling us. And so as I reach out and touch the world, 
with God's love. It's the love that the Holy Spirit has placed in my person in order that I might love. The great commandment, uh, Matthew chapter, uh, what chapter is it? Shame on me. Chapter 22. I lost, I lost the number. Here it is, 28. Uh, <clears throat> oh, come on. I, lo- I've, I lost it here. I'm not going to read it. I'll have to paraphrase it. Uh, <clears throat> what's, the, what's the greatest commandment? It's love God with all your heart and soul. And the second commandment, like under the first, is to love your neighbor. Now, how is that possible? Neighbor means all of you. Neighbor means all of them. Got that? It's not just your next door, knock on the door, can I borrow a cup of sugar, neighbor. We're talking about your neighbor, neighbor. You're talking about the world. As God loves me as a part of the cosmos, as a part of the world, so I, in God's love, love the cosmos in the same way. And I'm willing to do what I can do because that's what God has mandated for me. What is laid down for me as an opportunity uh, for service is to reach out in the very love that Christ reached me with and give that to you, to give that to them, to give that to the world. For God so loved the world. As God so loved the world, so I love the world and I will do what I can do to save the world. I am here You are here to save the world. Now that sounds pretty heavy, so I guess we can, we can narrow that down a little bit and we can say, you're here to help save the world. That's your, that's your mission in life. You want to know what God's mission for you is? That's it. Now it manifests itself in many different ways. You might become a missionary and go around. You might become a pastor. You might be, but every single one of us should be evangelists. Every single one of us should be taking the materials that we provide for you here and take them out and share them with the lost and dying world out there. Last Sunday, I gave away four of those booklets in one place. The little Christmas booklets that I told you about. Four in an hour over breakfast at Coco's. I papered the room. With those booklets. How many did you pass out last week? Now I'm not bragging. I'm just giving that as an example. That there's opportunities that we have. That we sometimes miss. And shouldn't miss. Because God loved us so much. That he was willing to save me. And he was willing to save you. And he's willing to save them. When they have received the message that they need. And sometimes you need the message more than once. How many times have you heard the simple gospel about God loving you before you came and did the Billy Graham thing? I'll mention the the crusades that he was involved in. That you had the opportunity to respond and say, yes, I'm I'm not the captain of my destiny. God is the general of my destiny the commanding general of my destiny. Holy Spirit reveals God's love for us and creates our love for God. 
God's love for us is unmerited on our part. And we stumble on that. That's that's really getting kind of unworldly when you think in terms of unmerited. Well, you deserve my time. You deserve my time. No, you don't. You are despicable. I can't stand the sight of you. But I have to overcome that feeling. I have to overcome that idea that you are so despicable that I can't stand to be in the same room with you or in the same... I'm moving out of California because you're here. You know, that kind of thing. Walk on the cross across the street because your name is on the other side of the street. Those kinds of things. Really... That's how bad, that's how bad you are, how much you don't deserve the saving message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we, we have those feelings, don't we? We think in terms of some of the people that do some really horrific things in the news, and I don't need to list them, I'll let you worry about that for yourself. And we, and we think to ourselves, H-E-L-L is a good place for you. Go there. But they're part of the world. God so loved the world. God so loved Charles Manson. God so loved, and and so on. It goes on and on. And I don't think I need to name any names. God's love for us is great. God loved us when we were dead in sin. God loved, quickened us to spiritual life from spiritual death. God's love for us extends into eternity And your love for the masses, your love for the world, does exactly the same thing because that love is the love that God has placed in you. You are a vessel of God's love. Says so. Holy Spirit reveals God's love for us and creates our love for God. The Holy Spirit encourages us to have an appropriate love for ourselves. Oh, well, I'm really not worthy to do that. Nobody will listen to me uh, because they happen to know a couple of things about me that I just assume they don't know. Whatever, you know, whatever it might be. God has forgiven you. I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture tells me that one of the first things that happens is I'm forgiven for my my sin. Isn't that what it's all about? I'm forgiven for my sin, so therefore I'm forgiven. The hard thing is for you to forgive me, you the phys- you the cosmos, you the physical people to forgive me, or me to forgive you. Isn't that the worst, hardest thing, excuse me, the hardest thing that we do, the hardest thing that we do, I think, is forgive. Forgive family, forgive workers, uh, co-workers, forgive, forgive. It's so difficult to do. So difficult to do. It's impossible to do. That's the word. It's impossible to do because it's, we, it's not, it's beyond our understanding. We don't understand it. How can I possibly love? How can I possibly forgive? How can it, how is it possible? For me to be in. It isn't. It's God's love through you, through us, that makes it possible. Because God loved me so much, 
I have that love and I understand that love or I begin to understand that love and I know that in spite of how I might feel about you in a physical way, in this physical world, I want to transcend the physical world into the spiritual world and that spiritual world says that you deserve forgiveness as well and I want to provide that to you. I want to show you the path of forgiveness and then I can sing the song. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's law one in the four spiritual laws. Oh, the things we memorize. Well, how many years ago is that? <laughs> Don't want to talk about the years. Holy Spirit enables us to love others. And that's what I've been talking about. Holy Spirit enables us to love others. We can love others because Christ first loved us. Love. It's all about love. And that love then manifests itself. Uh, back to our Galatians verse. Uh, in the others that are listed there. Oh, my ribbon is still there. Good. Okay. God, love is manifested uh, by joy, by peace, by long-suffering. Jump on that word, long-suffering. <sighs> Just... The raw word itself. How many, one of the, how many times do I gotta forgive my brother? How many times? Seven times? How about 70 times seven? It was Jesus' remark. Uh, that's 490. And so, what do we do physically? Well, let's, I got an open page right here. And I can get you right now for the first ten of them. So I only have 460 more to go and then I don't have to forgive you anymore. So that's not the point, is it? That's for God's love. How many sins have you committed since you were old enough to understand what sin was? How many sins have you committed since you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and had all of those previous sins forgiven? 490, 70, 490, 522, 687, 1,493,000, my, my granddaughter Tiffany is beginning, or that's my daughter, my granddaughter Sasha, who is seven, understands the word infinity, it's crazy, how do you do that? And she talks about counting. She can count into infinity. How do, what's the number after the last number? Work on that. What's the number after the last number? That's a question for a grandfather never to be able to answer. But there it is. That's how many times you forgive. How many times did God forgive? You. So how many times does he forgive anyone else? And it's all a manifestation of love. It's a manifestation of love. For God so loved the world, even while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. I just married two verses again. 
But they fit, don't they? And then verse 17, I love verse 17 almost as much as I love verse 16, because verse 17 says, For God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him, that the world, that the world through Him might be saved. 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 Forgiven. Love. Charles Manson could be in heaven. And there are those of us that are so tied up in the inability to forgive that I'm, if Charlie's there, I'm not going. Isn't it sad? Isn't that sad? But isn't that kind of our response to our unwillingness to reach out and touch someone for God? Isn't that our response? I think it is. I think it is. For God so loved the world in order that we might love as well. (laughs) The candles are all, those are good candles. They're all burning. The hope candle that's been burning every week. Look at that. There's a lot of hope there. And peace. And joy. The love candle. All fed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you today for the love that you have provided us. And we ask that you would strengthen our resolve to share that love with anyone and everyone that might listen. And for this we give thanks and praise in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Now you have an insert for Silent Night because... uh... The Silent Night in the book doesn't have the verse, the same verses. So, <clears throat> we're going to be 